Welcome to the Inkfeather podcast, which explores the worlds of sci-fi and fantasy books through those who bring them to life. Every other week, we chat with authors and industry pros about their books, including new releases and old favorites. I'm Lauren Zurchin from the Inkfeather Collective, and this is episode 45, where we chat with best-selling author Christopher Paolini. This is part two of a two-part interview where Christopher and I dug into his new book, To Sleep in a Sea of Stars, which came out on September 15th. The first episode came out last week, and it is spoiler-free, so if you haven't read the book, that's the one to listen to. Also, it's great, if even if you have, because um, we talk about the creation of the book, the ideas, what it was like writing sci-fi versus fantasy. Uh, we talk kind of broader strokes of his writing and the creation of this story. But in this episode, we dig a little deeper. Um, we don't go full-blown spoilers of like the climax or anything, but we definitely talk about the characters more in depth, about specific uh, pivotal scenes. So if you want to know a little bit more about what happens in this story, this is definitely the episode to check out. Um, we also talk about what he is working on next, different book ideas he has planned for the future, and also some books he read recently that he really enjoyed. So all of that and more in this episode, be sure to check it out. And again, if you want to hear the first part of our interview, it is episode 44. So it is just the one right before this one. Okay, now on to part two of my interview with Christopher. I hope you enjoy. All right, Christopher. Hi, welcome back again to the Ink Feather Podcast. Glad to be back for part two. We are back for part two. If you are not sure what we're talking about and you randomly stumbled on this, we are actually doing a two-part interview for To Sleep in a Sea of Stars, Christopher's new sci-fi book that is out in a few days. And we did a whole separate podcast episode that is spoiler free. It kind of talks broad strokes about the book and his writing journey, getting to this, you know, what it was like writing fantasy versus sci-fi. It's really cool. You should definitely check it out. It, you know, gives some overall insight onto what it was like to write this amazing story. But now we want to talk a little bit more details. So this is your spoiler warning. If you do not want to be spoiled on anything in this book, do not listen to the rest of this. We're not going to do like major, major, major humongo things, but we are going to be talking freely. So if you don't want to know anything, read the book first, then come back and listen. Okay. All right. So uh, <laughs> I want to say uh, one of the things I am enjoying the most right now, uh, I am reading this on audiobook. I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy of the audio. And we talked about that in the first episode. The audio narrator is amazing. Um, I love your, your stuff does very well. Your writing style works really well on audio. I was thinking about that actually earlier today. Um, I don't know if you remember this when inheritance came out, I came to your event in Philadelphia and it's on the other side of my state. So I was lucky enough that my local library just happened to have, it was like the day after the release and they gave me a copy of inheritance on audio and so i like listened to it as i drove and just mm -hmm. hearing your words it there was just that it's extra level of tension with how the story was being delivered and i this book like kicked my ass with the tension i'm not even kidding you <laughs> i'm so serious right now like i i made so many notes i have them like kind of grouped them together but i kept being like oh my god what the heck just happened holy crap i have wtaf as like a note and, you know like literally this book is so the tension in the writing. I mean, how was that, you know, wanting to create these crazy 
epic parts, but have the story continually build because, you know, we have out the gate, like the first hundred pages are, or, or the first chapter, frankly, crazy stuff happens, but like the first, <laughs> uh, it's just so much happens right at the beginning of this book with, with the discovery, with the disaster, with uh, the fleeing, like all of this stuff. And then it's just, and we're only at the very beginning of the book. I mean, how was that writing the tension or like figuring out how to space out the story? Well, I think, again, my experience with um, uh, the inheritance cycle helped me with that. That was definitely a goal with mine with this book was to basically run the story as fast as I could, which might sound strange in an almost 900 page book. And some people will definitely probably feel the book could have been shorter. And that's that's a fair reaction. But everything that's in this in the book does do something either for the characters or the overall plot development. And uh, I, I did some stuff technically in the book, like uh, not only do I have the book divided into sections, but then the sections are divided into chapters, and the yeah. chapters are divided into subchapters, which lets me move through the story a lot faster than if I didn't have those um, those things available for yeah, me. that was interesting to have like four and three and two like within a chapter. That was a very interesting mm -hmm. thing to experience as a reader. Well, and, and you mentioned the audiobook experience, and I'm I'm glad you say that oh because gosh. I actually had I actually had a couple of disagreements at one or two times during the writing with some of my early readers where I've had enough, enough experience reading material out loud to audiences that it has started to shape my prose because I know how this something would sound in front oh of an gosh. audience when when performed. Yeah, and that's almost like harking back to hearkening back to like the older storytelling mode and mentality, yes. which I have a, I have a huge fondness for. So there are things on the page into sleep that I know sometimes, sometimes might look a hair awkward on the page, but when delivered, when read, they sing. Yes, it was, I'm so, I'm, I am so grateful that I got to have this audiobook. I mean, I, I've, I've been kind of jumping back and forth, but pretty much once I had the audio and I heard how amazing she did, and I just, she does the voices great, but like the tension, the way you have the scenes and the way she paces herself, uh, oh, it's just like perfection. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's so that's good. Why I was such, that's why I was such a big fan of her work. I oh mean, my gosh. Her, her work as Femship and Mass Effect is is intense and touching and awesome and powerful. And and it's very hard, you know, because we listen to a lot of different performances by different audiobook readers trying to find the right reader mm. for this book. And it is hard to find a female reader who has the strength for this type of story. And because there's a, there's a fine line there. I mean, if you have a man doing a woman's voice, that that can be difficult in on one sense. And on the another, if you have a woman's voice that doesn't have enough oomph behind it, you know. I mean, and I'm just talking mm. like I'm not. I'm just talking like the physical delivery of it. Um, it. It can lose some weight for this type of story, and that was really important. And she mm. she has it. Oh yeah, and she, you know, the best audio books are always the ones where, like, with a word, you know who's talking. Like with that, just the inflection or the delivery or the timber or the tone, and she just nailed it. Um, but yeah, like. It, the tension, I just, I, I just don't even, 
I found myself, so I've been reading this book in chunks around my work. And I've, for those of you listening, my cat is currently sick. So I've been like at the hospital, but I'm like kept coming back being like, oh, I get to keep reading because it was like every scene, even if it was one of the, the quieter moments, she's discovering things, she's learning things, she's scared and unsure and we're learning with her. There was just this wonderful pace and momentum and like the underlying buzz of tension that would surge and then surge again and then surge as you continue to build up. It was just, it's been, frankly, it's beautifully done. I have to congratulate you. I really do. Thank you. Well, my goal was that although there are a lot of definitely some big moments in the story, but, but Kira's change as a character occurs mm-hmm. over the whole scope of the book and it, it builds, it builds, gra- it builds mm-hmm. very steadily, but that, my goal was that by the time the reader reaches the end of the book and looks back at the beginning, they're going to shake their head and go, wow, I can't believe we started there and we ended up mm-hmm. here. You know, so much has happened. Mm-hmm. So much has changed for the characters, for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just like with the end of Inheritance, uh, I, I'd hope to leave readers with, you know, sort of a tingle down their spine yes. and a sense of hope and wonder and awe and, and a, a little bit of a bittersweet ache that the story has finally come to an end. Yeah, I mean, what you just said reminded me of something you said in part one, where you were saying when you were writing Kira, you were wanting, writing her character, you wanted to give her like the freedom to be the character that she was. And I remember that one scene specifically, I made a note here where she like killed the the first, she's like, oh my God, I'm a xenobiologist and I just killed an alien. Like what the heck? Like she like was like freaking herself out. Like I don't do that. I like go to planets and look at things on you know like she's like i just blew up an alien like it was such an interesting moment for her to be like holy crap i'm do i'm doing these things that i can't even believe that i would ever think that i would do um and just like that like this is one of a million moments i'm thinking of that are just glimpses of her evolution but yeah it was you did it really well the tension was just so great and um it makes it really fast to read because like i said even the quiet parts we're still learning we're still like every you know nothing is frivolous in how you wrote. I felt everything was important, which I know that is kind of part of what this is, but yeah, I felt that with the writing. It was well done. Thank you. Well, and I also, with all this intense stuff in the story, I wanted a sense of optimism, (laughs) a sense of hope. You know, there's a lot of grim, dark sci-fi fantasy out there. And of course the world itself is, let's say having a difficult time. Falling apart, burning, literally burning. I I wouldn't go that far, but I think (laughs) we can definitely say, uh, it's it's been a rough year. Yeah, some some significant challenges facing us at the moment, and I feel that life is tough enough without putting stuff out there that's going to make people feel depressed or angry or what have you. I mean, it's not that you can't deal with tough tough material. I think mm. that's important for art to do it, but the underlying message or philosophy for me is ultimately optimistic. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has that feeling of like the human spirit and just this dream, the dreams and the determination and the human spirit and just her, you know, those bigger picture things that are important to us as people. I definitely felt that in, in amongst all of the stuff that has happening for sure. Um, and you also had really great like comedic moments. I lost it with the mural on that ship. <laughs> I, I literally, was laughing so hard and immediately I was like, who is illustrating this? It's like those weird cat t-shirts with like the rainbow cats or people like riding unicorns, you know, like it is, uh, <laughs> in case you've forgotten what the heck I'm talking about, there's literally like a mural of jackrabbits with uh, Runcible the pig and Mr. Fuzzy Pants with flamethrowers in each hand. Like I was literally 
wrote this down and was like, what is happening? <laughs> this is amazing and I want to see it. Um, and you had um, the one character is totally Angela, your sister. <laughs> it's like curly hair and she's knitting. I was like, clearly that's your sister. Like you had these little moments, like little Easter eggs and little like humorous moments too to help lighten things. That must have been really fun to kind of stick them in. Uh, totally. Absolutely. And I, I really wanted to, I don't know, capture a sense of the weirdness of the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe, I know a lot of people have this sense, but for me, going from homeschooled and living in a very rural place to uh, traveling the world, living in different cities around the world, and getting to interact with tens of thousands of yep. people all across the world, it's really left me a sense with a sense of the sheer variety of humanity and the sheer strangeness and complexity of the world. There's so much going on, it's impossible to sum it up. You know, I, mm. I remember when I was back in the 90s and stuff, you, you'd hear people still talking about like the great American novel, which even then was an impossibility because you can't sum up even one country in one novel. And it really has gotten mm. to the point where no one can keep track of everything going on. No one can fully understand what's going on. Um, so you have to <laughs> look at trends almost because there's so many people. You just kind of have to look at trends and you have to look at uh, generalities while still keeping in mind that every single person is an individual. Every single person has their own hopes and dreams. And and yeah, I mean, I, it, it's over. I find it overwhelming. And I, I mm. did not want to overwhelm my readers, but I wanted to hint at those levels of complexity because I think that it's just going to get exponentially more as humanity continues to grow and especially mm -hmm. if we move off this planet you know there will be cultural differences within individual colonies within other planets yeah there'll be their own their own media and their own stories and music and and language ultimately will diverge and you know you start thinking about this I mean, long term, I almost did this for the premise of the story, but I didn't want to go this far into the future. Long term, if humans move out off of Earth, and even if we do find other species, but let's say we don't. If humans move off this Earth, we will end up becoming our own aliens because we will, we will speciate. Yep. You know, we will diverge you know, either just through random chance or we start controlling our own genome and biohacking and doing all sorts of crazy stuff because that's what humans do. Um, we're going to become our own aliens. Yeah, that's very like time machine-y with like the two people evolutions mm -hmm. and just the idea of that. Well, and even you have like you have some characters where there's like, you know, there's parts where they're like, was that just them like, you know, changing their DNA to like give an enhancement or is this like the whole culture now has become this whole separate entity of, of a subtype of a human, which was really cool to read about for sure. Um, no, I found, I, I, I found, I found body modification and the potential of that with like gene hacking and stuff. Um, very interesting and yeah. something I wanted to write about. Um, but yeah, kind of like what you were saying with the gene hacking, I have a note here of like, just the crazy stuff you got to write and I like play with. And I just feel like it was almost uh, as a writer, if I was a writer, like a sense of glee of like all this cool shit you get to write. Like you have, you know, there's 
the, besides the gene hacking and the advanced tech that you have, you have like hive minds, you have ship minds, you have like the way you made the aliens, the jellies, there's like, they're all the same, but they're all different. And it, where you're just like, what's the craziest alien I can think of? And how are they? And like, you were describing these things. And I was just like, what am I, like, what am I picturing right now? That must've been an <laughs> absolute blast. Oh yeah. And, and honestly, this book is a closer uh, picture is a, is a more accurate picture of what the inside of my brain actually looks like compared with uh, the inheritance cycle. So <laughs> I, I just, I just, I am, I am insatiably curious about the world around yeah. us. And I just tried to throw everything that was relevant into this story because why not? You know, if you're going to write about the real world, even in the future, why why would you hold back about the things that interest you or the things that interest humanity or the strangeness of humanity and so forth and so on? What was the most fun thing to, like, come up with or create that kind of gave you glee? Was there anything in particular, or like a scene or like a character? Mm, well, I love the puns. I love all the, the puns. I don't want to spoil them for. I know we're spoiling, but I'm not going to spoil yeah. the puns for uh, listeners. Uh, I love the ship mines. I think Gregorovich is my favorite character. Yeah, he's awesome. Like, so <laughs> awesome. And again, which the narrator does his voice too. It's great. But like, I like how she's like, yeah, he's definitely a he. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like just things of of the way they, they the banter and his the way of thinking he does and the way he phrases things is really fun. Um, but like I said, with like the with the jellies with the aliens, I was just like, okay, this is. There was even a scene, I don't remember. It was like one of the flashbacks where the visions that she got, where it felt very like Pacific Rim. They were like coming up out of the ocean. I was like, holy crap, what is happening? Like, and they were like the firstborn and the big ones. I'm like, oh my god! Like it was like again, as a listener, it was very tense and tense filled. But um... <laughs> there were actually a whole bunch more of those flashbacks slash dreams in earlier versions. Some really cool scenes that we might, um, I might release at some mm. point, you know, as deleted stuff. Cool. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that was really, that's fun as the reader too, because she doesn't know, we don't know. I mean, there's parts of things that we're kind of understanding as the readers, but overall we're along this journey with, along on this journey with Kira and we're just trying to figure things out. So that was really fun. And I have to say the soft blade is so freaking cool. I <laughs> love how you did this thing. It is so cool how it evolves and how it, the, 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 the symbiotic relationship that they develop and just how it, it, what it is, what it does, it, everything. And like all the little, the little nuancey things. I was just like, this is the coolest thing. It's just so rad. I just thought it was so well done and cleverly done. Um, Kind of take us through like the idea behind that entity, that that kind of idea. Of, I mean, that's kind of one of the core things of the book. But like, why did that become a thing? Ooh, well, I mean, it really is two things that got me to write the book. Uh, one was the last scene of the book, which I'm not going to spoil for you. Yeah. For and... those of you listening, I'm like 80 percent done. I had I didn't have enough time with my cat emergencies. So I'm like, huh, I've been like scrambling to try to read and I'm almost done. So. I'm not done yet. So thank you, Christopher. I appreciate that. Um, so one is the final scene of the book. And then two is the uh, the scene where Kira finds the soft blade. Mm. And that, I don't know, I love the idea. I love the idea of that um, sort of symbiotic relationship. I love the idea from almost like a superhero point yes. of view of, you know, it gives, it can give certain powers or, or can do certain things if it's um, properly meshed with its host. Yeah. And then 
also, I really wanted to write as a, as a major theme of the story about, you know, what happens when, what happens when your body isn't your own? You know, mm. we all have instances of that in our life, whether you get sick or you have an accident or, you know, something else happens and your body doesn't behave the way you want it to behave. And the question is, is how do you deal with that emotionally? How do you deal with that philosophically? How do you deal with that in general? Because it can destroy you if you don't find a way to reconcile your, yourself with the fact with something that can't be changed mm. and or learning how to manage it or improve and continue to grow and and be a functional human being. So that was the, the soft blade was my way of externalizing that thematic element. Mm. And that's what that's what speculative fiction often one of the things I really like about it is it does allow you to externalize things that would otherwise be internal or unstated it essentially lets you make metaphors real so the soft blade is a metaphor hmm. i just but i just love the the concept of it and just the idea of of this relationship and the what you know but you're right it's almost like the superhero idea like oh my gosh that would be amazing to be able to have that ability and how it protects her and how things are advanced and yeah mm -hmm. i just um and yet at the same time, it doesn't really solve any problems for her. Yes, it is. It, yeah, a complication, but sometimes cool. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it, it um, gosh, this book is just great. I, I, I feel like a little, not overwhelmed, but I just, there was so much. I kept like my note page here is very long because I kept like stopping to be like, this is really cool. And this was really cool. <laughs> and um genuinely i i'm this is such a delight to read it's just you know especially as someone who you know I, maybe i should have said this in part one but i am going to say it here too you know if you are hesitant about science fiction because you think it's going to be heavy or you think it's going to be complicated or you think it's going to be boring or you think it's going to be too unrelatable or unrealistic like this book isn't any of those things it's 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 the opposite. It's great. It was easy to read. And it was, I felt like I was on this adventure and I felt like I was in space and I loved the crazy battles and I loved the, the humor. And I just, it was just so wonderful. It's so fun to read, Christopher. It's really is, I, you should be very proud of this book. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and I learned so much from writing it now. I really just want to, I'm, I'm eager to take those lessons and, mm. you know, put them to use in a new story. I mean, I learned a lot from the inheritance cycle and I think what I learned is on display in this book and I mm -hmm. learned a lot from writing this. So hopefully the next book will be another step up. Oh yeah. It's definitely, it, it, and one of the things I was curious about was, will it feel like your writing? And it still felt like your writing to me. Um, especially like having read the short story not that long ago. So I was still back in your writing style, but like there's mm. still that lyrical writing that you, t you tend to like incorporate. And yeah, it was, it, I still felt like you, but it was fun to kind of be on this totally different story journey. Um, you said earlier that you've got, you're working on like more parts now. You've got like a novella and a prequel that you're kind of developing. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to say too much about that because I That's haven't fair. officially, officially announced like what they're about. But um, yeah, the prequel novel is centered around a very important event that occurred before the events of To Sleep in a Sea of Stars. And then the sequel is, the sequel novella is fairly, set fairly soon after the events of To Sleep. That's great. 
Um, and that's what you've been working on. Is there more stuff in development that you're working on? Or oh, these there, kind of is, been... there is so much going on. I barely have five minutes to spare these days. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for chatting they're... with us today for an hour. <laughs> awesome. Of course. Uh, no, I, I have another collection of short stories I want to write in mm. Allegasia. I want to write another full-length novel in Allegasia. And uh, I have uh, some other sci-fi and fantasy, uh, both in the fractal verse and without, that I really, really want to write. So... I had a number of years where I just couldn't produce the way I wanted to, mm. and that's one of the reasons why it took so long to write to sleep, and of course, building the universe and then rewriting that book are the other reasons. But, uh, you know, we had I had a book come out beginning of last year, I'm having this book this year, and I'm hoping that uh, even if I'm not doing one book a year, uh, I'm at least getting close to that. Mm. Well, and, and first of all, I think everyone probably just shrieked internally when you were like, a full-length Allegasia book, ah, you know, like, before. there's <laughs> such big fans of that series forever till you're dead, people will be like, Eric, you know, so that's awesome. But you have these two series now that are, I mean, I this standalone, but like you said, the fractal verse, you have the foundations are laid, you know, the worlds, you know, the workings. And so now you can play, you can just, I mean, it's obviously going to still be writing and developing, but like you said, hopefully now it's more just creation within those boundaries that you have taken the time to develop. Yeah, and on top of that, uh, we're actually, my team and I are doing a lot of really cool things with the Fractalverse, uh, stuff that we we couldn't do with the Inheritance Cycle because the rights are tied up with the film studio. So mm. uh, we're actually launching, uh, we're working with, we've worked with uh, Badali Jewelry, which has done some amazing stuff for yes. Patrick Rothfuss and Brandon Sanderson, and they have uh, designed and made us some wonderful uh, pendants slash necklaces for the Fractalverse using the Fractalverse logo. They're absolutely gorgeous. We have pictures on my website yeah, and social media. Their stuff's great. Then, I actually have one of Brandon's. Um, I have a piece of theirs from Brandon's series. So yeah, they're really, really beautifully really, done. Yeah, and the, and the Badali folks are just wonderful. Great to work with. If anyone's listening and you're considering working with them, uh, give them a shot. And then on top of that, uh, you know, we're, we have a whole bunch of merch ourselves that we're going to be launching for the Fractalverse uh, if people are interested. You know, that's that's the thing is I'm trying, I want to give readers and fans stuff that they're interested in, um, stuff I would want as a fan of this universe. So we, we already have some art prints uh, mm. up on the up on my Etsy store, uh, and we're going to have a whole bunch of other stuff launching very soon. And for those who don't know, uh, the book itself has seven pieces of interior art, and with the hardcover, the end papers are art as well, front and back. So it's a really, really gorgeous package. All done by you? No, uh, I did uh, a couple of the pieces, two or three of the maps, uh, well, two and a half of the maps, and then... Uh, my wonderful assistant, Emanuela, did all the others, and she she's actually proven to be quite the artist herself. Wow, cool. That's exciting. Wow. So I love that that's, I mean, I've definitely seen the, you know, some of the pieces that have been floating around on your social media that you promoted, and I got, like I said, I have the tour, um, the pre-order print right over here beside me, but that's so cool. Um, that's great that people who enjoy the world can celebrate it in those ways as well. That's really cool. That's the goal. Um, before we go, I always like to ask everyone if they've read anything lately. Sounds like you haven't because you've clearly haven't even had time to sleep practically, but is there anything you've either has been on your radar or that you've read in the past year, maybe, I don't know, whatever that you would recommend that you think would be really cool. Um, it doesn't necessarily even have to be sci-fi fantasy. Um, if it's just something you thought was interesting. Well, on the fantasy side of things, I read and enjoyed uh, the Kings Kings of the Wild. That's wild with a Y. Uh, I 
by Nicholas, uh, I forget his last name. Uh, really enjoyed that. It was a fun departure from standard fantasy fare. Uh, on sci-fi side of things, uh, I read A Memory Called Empire by mm-hmm. Arkady Martin. I uh, also read The Doors of Eden by Adrian Tchaikovsky, which had some interest. Both of those had some really interesting ideas. Cool. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I have been reading recently because there has been so much going on. <laughs> uh, I think those are the ones that jump out at me the most uh, over the past six months. I mean, that's great. Those three three options, awesome. So I'm I'm glad for those sound all sound good so um yeah thanks well my pleasure awesome guys well thanks christopher for uh showing up and chatting with me today i'm glad i could this was a lot of fun this is actually the most in-depth uh conversation i've had about the story so far good and i i'm very curious what you'll be thinking once you actually finish the book i'll i'll message you and let you know actually because i'm i'm (laughs) i'm now, I, like I said, I have had a hard time stopping it, and I, I, there's an immense amount of guilt. I have a sense of pride of finishing books before interviews, and the fact that I mean, I know unforeseen circumstances. My, you know, I was unavailable last week. Could, it you could, could, could we say extenuating circumstances? Yeah, yes, we could. My, my Mrs. Uh, fuzzy Pants was not feeling well, and uh, so I had to deal with her and all of the mess of that. But yeah, I, I. It, it, it frustrates me because I, I like to have all the answers before I talk. But it's also kind of fun for me as a listener being like, you being like, I'm not going to spoil. So I'm like, oh, God, what's coming up? Like, I have to keep <laughs> reading. And again, I have the audiobook, So it's just a just a freaking delight, this audiobook. So, guys, if you're if you're not even an audio person, but you're curious, listen to the sampler. Oh, my gosh. It is. It's seriously. It's so good. It's just so good. So uh, but, I mean, but reading it's good, too. I was reading it. I started with reading and I'm, re- you know, I enjoyed that thoroughly, too. And then but I just prefer audio in general. So I am all about the audiobook. So uh, all right. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in for both of these episodes. And uh, we will have some really awesome guests coming up soon. I'm not going to spoil. But well, actually, I can say that I have V.E. Schwab coming up soon. I'm really excited to talk about her new book that's coming out. So stay tuned. Come back. Check us out. For now, this is Lauren and Christopher saying bye. Bye. Bye.